Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. Hey friends, welcome to episode 43 of Calm Words for Anxious Hearts, and today we're going to begin a four-week series that will be rooted in an awareness that we are now in the season of Advent. And my hope for this series is not so much to elevate the mind, but rather to sink the heart, for our heart to descend deeper and deeper as we listen to these episodes into the mystery and the message of hope and expectation that Advent brings with it. Now, the word Advent means arrival or coming. Advent is that season when we anticipate as a church the arrival or the coming of Jesus Christ, not just as the babe of Bethlehem who was born in a manger that first Christmas morning, but during Advent we also anticipate the second coming of Christ when Jesus will return as a Son of Man in glory to judge the living and the dead. And so each week I'm going to offer a reflection on a passage of Scripture that the lectionary typically labels as an Advent text, And again, I'm going to invite you to listen to these reflections with an open heart, wondering what does the arrival of Jesus mean for your life? And also, what does the arrival of Jesus mean for our world in the coming year? A reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to meet him and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Here ends the reading. So the first thing I want to say is that according to Advent, you and I should be concerned with the formation of our heart as we await the coming of Christ. Or to be a little bit less theological and more practical, we are to transition over time from a life lived in service to self to a life lived in service to God as we await Jesus' arrival. I mean, right, whenever Christ arrives, we do want our heart to be such that our deepest joy is found in loving, knowing, and serving God. And this transition from a me-centered life to a God-centered life is what Christianity is all about. As C.S. Lewis put it, the church exists for nothing else but to draw men to Christ, to make them little Christs. 
If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself, are simply a waste of time. End quote. Now, that is a strong, strong statement by C.S. Lewis, but at the end of the day, I think I'd have to agree that the sole purpose of the church is to form disciples, to draw people closer to Jesus so that Jesus can make them more like himself. And that, of course, is what this reading from Mark is all about. It is about the way we become disciples of Jesus. Now, I want you to remember, this is the very beginning of Mark's gospel, the very beginning. And because Mark is a very skilled writer, and I'm sure he, you know, took ninth grade English, Mark knows that the first thing all good writers do is lay out their thesis statement from the very beginning. And Mark does that precisely in this passage. And so, Here's how I want to summarize Mark's thesis, which, as I see it, is actually the whole point of Advent. Our God and our King is coming. Let our hearts prepare him a road. Our God and our King is coming. Let our hearts prepare him a road. That seems to be Mark's message. And so what does that look like in your life to prepare a road for Jesus in the depth of your heart? Well, I think the first thing Mark wants us all to know is that this heart preparation will entail a trip to the wilderness. Where did Moses meet God? In the burning bush, the wilderness. Where did Jacob wrestle with God? The wilderness. Where did the people of Israel encounter God? Not Egypt but at Mount Sinai in the wilderness. And in this gospel passage, Mark tells us that we too must go to this same place to encounter our God and our King, that is, the wilderness. Now, you and I have been conditioned to hear that word wilderness, and we think of the state park. I mean, right, whenever you and I go to the wilderness, we bring water and a tent and shelter and beer and firewood and food and an iPhone, and man, we really rough it. Uh, In fact, my sister just told me she was going camping in Big Bend soon, and I was very nervous for her because she doesn't know how to camp. But then she informed me that her campsite would have nice indoor lodging and a room with a Keurig to make coffee and a heater, and, you know, that really summarizes our idea of camping. Now, on the opposite end of the spectrum, some of us hear the word wilderness, and we think of the opposite. We think of someone like Bear Grylls or some other show on the History Channel that is all about learning how to survive ourselves with very few resources. But in the Bible... The wilderness is the opposite. In the Bible, the wilderness is that place where no one can survive by themselves and where life cannot be sustained naturally. There is no bread, no water, absolutely nothing natural you can draw on to survive. You see, in the Bible's wilderness, our achievements don't matter, Our money doesn't matter, our skills don't matter, our experience doesn't matter, our knowledge doesn't matter. You know, even MacGyver is out of luck in the wilderness. And yet, this is precisely the place our heart must go, Mark says, to wait for the advent or the arrival of Jesus. We have to go to the wilderness. And so if we're going to be serious about this heart preparation during Advent, I think there is a question we might need to ask. 
have we met Jesus in the wilderness? Because it is tempting, and it's very, very easy to just pack Jesus up next to the beer and the iPhone and to have Jesus join us for our little trip to the state park. Or perhaps to think that we can make it just fine by ourselves in life, but that Jesus is on standby to help, right? It's tempting to think of Jesus like a really good vitamin, something we need to get on with our day. And what Mark is saying in this gospel passage is, no, that if we want to meet Jesus, that if we want to be formed into men and women of character, we have to go to the wilderness, where if we want water, that water has to come from a rock, where if we want bread, it has to come down like manna from heaven. In other words, the whole point of this reading from Mark is to remind us of something that is so important and also so uncomfortable, namely that we cannot provide for ourselves, that apart from God we are grass, and that the very things we've built our lives on, our spouse, our achievements, our status, our money, our reputation, our intellect, whatever that is, there's nothing wrong with these. These are fine and wonderful things, but if they are the foundation of our life, it is sand. You see, Jesus does not invite us into the wilderness to polish the foundation we have spent our life building. No, Jesus invites us to the wilderness to give us a new foundation. And that's why John begins his ministry, by the way, by baptizing people. And he says that this is a precursor to Jesus' baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, you may have heard that baptism was already a common practice in Jesus's day. I did some research. Actually, baptism wasn't a common practice. The tradition before John had to do with self-washings and self-immersions. And so, as a symbol of their need to be cleansed, Jews would wash their hands before entering the temple. And if a Gentile wanted to enter the outer court of the temple, the rule said, they had to pour water over their entire body, you know, because Gentiles were really unclean. But here's the difference. Before John, you always washed yourself. The tradition was self-washing, self-immersion, self-cleansing. And what Mark is telling us today is that with the advent of Jesus Christ, with the arrival of God made flesh, the self-washing is done, and that to be a disciple of Jesus, we have to let him baptize us, not just with water, but with the very Spirit of God. Because here's the thing, and this is really the heart of the Advent message, the Christian gospel is not just another self-washing technique. Rather, the Christian life is a trip to the wilderness to be washed by someone greater, and our job is to prepare for that. Prepare ye the way of the Lord, Mark writes, make his paths straight. Now, a better translation of that word way, prepare the way of the Lord, a better translation of that word way is the word road, prepare a road for the Lord, or prepare a highway for the king. That's a bit more true to the Greek, which is really important to note because a king back in the day would send his messenger ahead of him, kind of like Jesus did John, to announce to a city that the king was planning to visit. 
and the custom of the day, whenever a king would tell the city that he was planning to visit, the custom was for that city to prepare a new beautiful road for that king, you know, to support the full entourage that would no doubt be traveling with the king when he visited. Well, here's the thing. Making a straight path, building a new road, building a highway for the king, this was a burden on the people. I mean, the village, they really all had to stop what they were doing to clear the rocks and uproot the weeds and level the ground. It was a burden, and in a sense, it was kind of meant to be. It was a power play. This was the king's way of lording his power over his subjects. You got to build me a road, right? And so by beginning his gospel by announcing a king's arrival, and then by saying it's time to build him a road, Mark's audience would have made some connections, and they would have started to ask some questions. Is this king like the other kings? Is he coming to enslave us? Is his visitation going to be a burden? And is this preparation work we have to do to meet our king just another taxing burden on our life? Now, I don't know about you, but I've asked that question before. It takes a lot of forms, but it can sound something like this. You know, if I really try and obey God's will, won't I be missing out? And if I give generously to support the mission of the church, will I have enough for the comforts that I desire? I mean, right, if God says, don't eat fruit from that tree, the only way to be free is to eat the fruit, right? To be our own king. But of course, from the very beginning of Mark's gospel, we're told that this king is different, that he is not a burden, and that he is not here to crush his subjects, but to save them, that the arrival of this king is good news. And during Advent, we need to remind ourselves that good news is what the word gospel means. The word gospel doesn't mean good advice. It doesn't mean good life strategy, good plan. The word gospel means good news, which is why whenever Mark uses the word road or way in his gospel, and if you read the gospel of Mark, he uses it a lot. It's always a reference, not to the road we build, but to the road Jesus walked through his wilderness all the way to a cross. Don't you see, this king is not coming to enslave. No, King Jesus comes to set us free. And so back to Mark's thesis statement, which I would summarize as follows. Prepare the way of the Lord, for a new kind of king has arrived. And so clear him a path in the depth of your heart, so that this king can set you free. Prepare a road for the Lord. A new kind of king has arrived. And so clear this king a path in the depth of your heart, so that King Jesus can set you free. And friends, whenever we talk about Advent and heart preparation. This is really what we're talking about. It's what formation is about. And preparing a road for Jesus is what our life should be about. Because if Jesus is the king that Mark is talking about, it's a really silly thing to invite Jesus into our life as a self-help coach or as an encourager 
or as anything other than a liberating king worthy of the fullest devotion in every aspect of our life. And so in a sense, that is the question Mark puts before us. You know, we can baptize ourselves or Jesus can baptize us. We can build on our own foundation or Jesus can come and give us a new one. We can go to the state park or we can go to the wilderness. But what we can't do, once having heard the good news of this king's arrival, is fail to make a decision. And while it is a decision that we all have to make, if we have only made this decision once, I doubt we ever made it at all. Because our king has come and is coming. And although we weren't worthy to stoop down and touch his sandals, the good news of Christianity is that he has made us worthy. Because our worthiness is not found at the end of some road that we have to walk ourselves, but at the end of a road that this king has already walked on our behalf. And so when it comes to our hearts and this advent, let us clear the rocks for our king and uproot the weeds and level the ground. Let's pray, read scripture, serve, love, bless, share, give, fast, celebrate, be silent, rejoice, decide. Decide to transition from a life lived in service to self to a life lived in service to God. Because remember, the only reason the church exists is to make each one of us into a little Christ. And so, my friends, Advent is here. Our God and our King is coming. Let our hearts prepare Him a road. Let us pray. Almighty God, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now in the time of this mortal life in which your Son, Jesus Christ, came to visit us in great humility, that in the last day when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead, we may rise to life immortal through him who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.